houses that menace the vineyards, for our vineyards are so vulnerable when they are in full bloom. The little foxes destroy the vine has reference to our love relationships, the little things that come in to mess up our love relationships. The little foxes destroy the vine. The little foxes look like they're not going to bust a grape. They look like they're not going to do nothing. They look like they don't have any power. They look like they can't, can't do anything. But they create so much damage because they can't get all the way up to the top to get the grapes. They start tearing the vine down so the tender grapes can fall to the ground. The tender grapes has reference to, uh, if you were, uh, in biblical days, you know, Wine was something that they had with every meal and things like that. And many cultures and customs still do that today. I'm not talking about wine to go get drunk. And the Bible said wine, not cognac. So let's get that right, okay? Not Patron. We're talking about wine, which is the, the, a, a symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So let's bring our minds back in. But it has reference to the very best, the very best vintage that there possibly could be with these tender grapes and these little pesky pesky little old foxes that look cute they destroy the vine they destroy the soil and they mess up the whole vintage as I began to read that scripture the Lord took me over to my favorite book of the Bible Genesis chapter 2 you know I can park there but I, I wrote everything down so I can stay on point today Genesis chapter 2, verses 7, 8, and then I'll jump down to verse 15. Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, read this way. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being or a speaking spirit. Oh, I love it so much. He breathed into man's nostrils so something could come out of his mouth so we could talk right verse 8 says the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man he positioned he strategically set the man up whom he had formed verse 15 then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it to tend and to keep it we're still talking about the little foxes that destroy the vine but I'm also talking and teaching you how to guard your garden garden has reference to the spot that certain spot the spot that place of delight the captivating mesmerizing presence of the almighty God this is where Adam and Eve met God in the cool of the day in the rock they met him in the spirit every single solitary day the place that grabs and holds your attention to the degree that you can't think about anything else this sounds like they were in love with God and I'm teaching you how to guard your garden or how to guard your relationships. I told you 2024 is the year that we, we're not leaving without our family. We're going and we're taking our family. We're, we're fighting for the family. We're focusing on the family. This is our year. 
But remember, we can't show up with less and less and with a straight face, require more and more. This is the year that we're going to do more and we're going to bring more to the table because our whole family and our love relationships are at stake. The garden, again, is that spot, the spot. You know what I mean, that spot. Have your back ever been itching and you have somebody scratch your back and you be doing like this because you're there? Like, no, ah, yeah, you got the spot. Are you listening to me? The spot, the place of delight, the captivating, mesmerizing presence, the place that grabs and holds your attention to the degree that you cannot think of anything else. Let me take a side journey for a moment. In our times of praise and worship unto God, make your mind obey. Don't let your mind start wandering off what you need. And when you're in that place of worship, stop asking God for anything and just give him your undivided attention and just tell him how much you love him and, and blow kisses to him. That is how we worship. I need you to get a revelation that the little foxes destroy the vine, but it's time for you to guard your garden. Small things that seem unimportant, things that seem insignificant, things that seem meaningless and minor can actually destroy and devour the tender good life, the tender life of celebration, the tender life, the sweet life of prosperity, blessing, integrity, boldness, joy, wealth, and prestige. So God created the man, then he planted the garden, then he strategically positioned the man in that garden, and he gave him a directive to tend and to keep it. Tend has reference to maintain it, maintain the garden, and grow it. Delicately and skillfully in culture, in inheritance, and in legacy. As as a well-taken-care-of-and-handed-down possession to the preceding generation. Let me take a quick, quick side journey. Man was, the first, the first transaction, the thing, first thing that God did with the man was breathe into his nostrils the breath of life so man could be, become a living being or a speaking spirit. So the first thing that God did is empowered him to use his words to have victory. So this is how Adam was designed to guard and to tend the garden. We always know, yeah, he worked by the sweat of his brow. He didn't do that until after the fall. Before, all he did was command things with his mouth. Come on, we're created as speaking spirits, and we're supposed to speak things into being. So when temptations, tests, and trials appear as a great mountain, we got to talk back to stuff. Talk back to that great mountain and tell it to bow low. Tend and keep was Adam's responsibility. And this is the responsibility that God gave him before he ever gave him a wife. Keep has reference to control, to manage, and to retain it. It's one thing to have faith to obtain and faith to attain, but you have to have faith to maintain and faith to sustain and faith to retain. Am I making faith to anybody? Keep means to control, to maintain, to retain, and to hold on to it. Hold on to it. Preserve it. Protect it. And defend it. Listen to me. It's the flesh's inward battles that are the biggest enemy to us. Every battle is not the enemy a lot of the battles that we think are meaningless and we look over them and we brush over them is the enemy in a me. You're not saying nothing. 
We talked about Amalek, and remember Saul, King Saul was supposed to destroy Amalek. Amalek in the Bible was a person. Amalek in the Bible was a tribe of people, a generation of people. Amalek today represents the spirit. Amalek represents the little foxes, the little foxes that destroy the vine, the little foxes that creep into your relationship, whether it's a married relationship, a mother, daughter, son, husband, whatever kind of relationship on whatever level, little foxes are small deviations, tiny infractions, minor infringements, and tiny entanglements. Amalek will attack always in the unguarded strengths. What do I mean by unguarded strength? That means it was an area that I was strong at. I knew I was strong in that area, but I became arrogant and I didn't, I didn't guard it. I didn't hold on to it. I, I made the example of a cell phone. You hold your phone and you get sleepy and you let it slip. You let it fall. That's where Amalek, remember Amalek in the Bible was a person. It was a tribe. It was a, 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 a whole legacy of people. Amalek today is a spirit and a spirit that will attack in your unguarded strengths. Am I making faith to anybody? And here's the deal with Amalek. Amalek was always looking, always lurking, always hiding, trying to see. He was like the roaring lion that the Bible talks about in Peter, seeking whom he may destroy. Why did he have to seek whom he can destroy? Because he couldn't destroy everybody, so he had to find the weak one, the vulnerable one, or listen to me, the offended one. Offense is of the devil. Amalek also uh, targets your unguarded moments. You're strong, but sometimes we have a moment. And in those moments, that's when Amalek comes in full force. Be aware and get a revelation that the enemy, enemy, is real. Those unguarded strengths, those unguarded moments sneak up on all of us. Sneak up on you. Have you ever had something sneak up on you? You didn't know how, you didn't know you could go from zero to 100 so fast. That's one of those unguarded moments. That spirit comes when you're vulnerable. Maybe you're vulnerable because your feelings have been hurt. Maybe you've not getting up, gotten a proper rest. Maybe you've been offended. Amalek knows when you're offended. He knows when you're weak. He knows when you're vulnerable. And that's when that spirit comes to attack. Remember, Amalek is a spirit indicative of the enemy. Enemy. The, the spirit of Amalek attacks generationally. So I have to think beyond myself. I got to think about my children and my children's children and my children's children's children. Listen to me. Let's stop just thinking about ourselves. The curse has to stop somewhere and it might as well stop with me. And when it stops with me, I'm protecting my whole family. I'm drawing a line in the blood of Jesus and you cannot cross a who are you great mountain bow down low. The spirit of Amalek, that, that spirit, that, that, that spirit of unguarded strengths, that, that little spirit is deceitful. Deceitful means it'll trick you. It'll fool you into thinking you right when you wrong as two left shoes. Come on. It deceives you, that spirit of Amalek. 
James chapter 3, verse 16 in the Amplified says, but where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder, unrest, rebellion, and every evil thing and morally degrading practice. Where there's jealousy and selfish ambition or selfishness. When we major on ourselves, that's when we become deceived. The revelation is everything really is not about you. It's about your family. It's about your children. It's about your children's children's children down to a thousand generation. If you're just selfish, you're going to fight with your mouth and cut people off at the knees and you don't care about the power of agreement not being in full effect. Because I got him told, I got him right. Is it about getting him or her right? Or is it about the power of agreement being in full operation? If we were to flip over to Genesis chapter 3, it says, now the serpent was more cunning, meaning more subtle, more sneaky, more tricky, more slick than any other beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Let's pause right there. God created man, formed him from the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living being or a speaking spirit. Then he put, he, he planted a garden. Then he placed, he strategically positioned the man in the spot. The spot was the garden, right? It says the, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. There's a difference in the field. In the garden, or the Bible would have said he was more subtle than any beast of the garden. He was more subtle than any beast of the guard of the field. So he didn't his his inhabitants was the field. Adam's inhabitants was the garden. The garden is indicative of the spot. Remember your back itching? No, that's not it. That's it. Ah, there it is. That's the spot. That spot. Right? The spot. The place of his mesmerizing, captivating presence. The spot that commands your attention. Have you ever been in love? And you start looking eyeball to eyeball. You can almost see your reflection in their eye. And neither one of you want to look away. Y'all better come up in here with me. Because we're captivated as it pertains to Love. Remember this scripture started off in Song of Solomon and it was talking about love. The little foxes come in to mess my love relationship up with my kids so that my kids can't trust me, so that my husband can't trust me. So my mama, come on, it's designed by the devil, the little foxes, the little infringements, the little entanglements, the little white lies, the little mistrust, the little stuff, the little sneaky, so that there's a big gulf. Between us, chapter 3 and 1, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. Why did he put Adam in the garden? He said he put him in the eastward in the garden to do what? To tend and keep it. Defend it. Defend your love relationship. Oh, good God Almighty. Y'all about to make me come off of this platform. Defend your love relationships by any means necessary. Defend your child. Defend your mother. Defend your brother. Defend your sister. Defend your husband. Defend your wife. Don't you fight with them with your mouth. Don't let your mouth be a knife 
to your family members. Y'all better say amen up in here. I'm going to come off the platform. Verse 2 says, and the woman said to the serpent, and, and, oh, wait, let me keep reading verse 1. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you want, girl, you're not going to die. Girl, please, you ain't going to die. For God knows that the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Remember, selfish. Ooh, I'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So the when the woman saw that the tree was good for fruit, she'd been seeing it. She ain't just seeing it, she'd been seeing it. And that it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life, same tra traps that he uses every time. And the tree was desirable to make her wise. She took and she ate it. Also, she gave to her husband with her. Dude, weren't you supposed to be defending at all costs? Now you're distracted. Remember the spot, the mesmerizing, captivating presence. It commands your attention. Have you ever noticed that when you're driving on the road and you see something that catches your attention, you start, the whole car starts to get, get back up? Because whatever turns your head turns your heart. Come up in here with me. I, because I'm a student of the word and, and I, I have to research this thing and rehearse it over and over in my mind, I can't, I'm not like most people that just can read it and understand it and go, I got to read it over and over. That's why I be to 10 different translations. I got to ask questions. I got to stop. I got to contemplate it. That's what a real student of the word does. It's an arrogant assumption to think you can read the scripture one time and just get it. That's an arrogant assumption. But I thought about it. Adam's job was to tend and to keep it. He didn't work from the sweat of his brow till after the fall. So he was supposed to operate the same way God operated, by speaking everything into being. But his job, his responsibility was to stay in the spot. Not let anything capture his attention. Remember, there's a spirit, a spirit of Amalek or Amalek that is always lurking in the dark. To see when you're distracted, to see when you're vulnerable, to see when he can come in. Remember, there are some strengths. You're strong, but when you get distracted, come on, come on, come on. You get distracted. It's like you want to fight with somebody. When you're in a fight with somebody, put your hand behind your back. And you, you know, I can beat you with one hand. I can beat you with one hand. And, when they come, you bring that other one from back and knock them out. Because they were focusing on what they... It's a distraction. Y'all better come up in here. Come on, we fight and we win. We fight the good fight of faith. So I wondered if Adam was on guard and he was tending and keeping, how did, this, how did this serpent get in there? It's very hard for me to believe that the serpent was that big and that bad that he could come in with one conversation and cause 
Eve to disobey God. Or, like we learned over in Luke chapter 22, to deny God. Deny just doesn't mean deny that you exist. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm distracted. I'm callous. I'm unconcerned. I'm I'm not in the spot. He said, Simon, Simon. He was talking to Simon's old man. Remember Luke chapter 22. Simon, Simon. Satan desires to sift you as wheat, throw you up in the air, spin you around, let the wind beat you over and over, and it just cause turmoil in your life. But I pray for you that your faith fell not. And Peter's, or Simon, who he spoke to the old man, his old nature, his old wayward self, he said, well, Lord, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, Lord, I'll go with you to prison, I'll go to jail for you. Jesus, don't you know I'll die for you? Then he spoke spoke into the new man. He said, Peter. He said, Peter, before morning comes and the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. Now here's the revelation when we look at Peter. I can't believe Peter did Jesus like that. Oh, hold up, wait a minute. Because we deny the power that is on the inside of us to keep showing love, to take the lead, even when it's not being reciprocated, to keep doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And when we do not do those things, Andrea, Andrea, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. Jessica, Jessica. Nadia, Nadia. Richard, Richard. Tavon, Tavon. That wasn't just talking to no Simon. That's talking to our old nature, too. Come up in here, because Amalek is always looking for that unguarded strength or that unguarded moment. I always tell the story that I was never just a cusser like a sailor or anything like that. But I did cuss, and I cuss people out or whatever. If you can catch me on the wrong day, I cuss you out or whatever. I'm, listen, 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 Linda, 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 honey, honey, listen. Because we all been there, right? What's that the other meme? Let me explain, let me explain, let me explain. Wait, let me explain. Let me explain. But I would have these times, I was like, Lord, I, I'm just recommitting my life to you. I'm just going to do it right this time. And, and I go, nine months. Good God Almighty, nine months free. But oh, that one day. The weakness to change is relapse. The weakness to just change changes to pivoting. The weakness to change is relapse. I got to be totally metamorphosized. I've got to transform. So this dude could not have been that big and bad that he came in the garden one time to get that woman's mind like that and to get the man. He off guard too. So I believe that he had to be creeping in and out of that garden. Acting like a friend, but really an enemy. We would call that a frenemy. Come on, come on, come on. Assess your environment. Assess who is around you. Assess who's trying to knock you off your game. Assess who's still trying to get you to go to the club, still trying to get you to try to get you to cheat on your husband, try to get you to slap your kids in the mouth. Assess your environment. Who's coming in 
and out of your garden. Guard your garden. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder, there is unrest, rebellion, and every evil and morally degrading practice. We can't turn. Oh my God, am I out of time? I'll be just finished right here. We cannot turn a blind eye to strife. Strife is a knife. We cannot do it. So don't buy the lie. Well, that's just how I am. That's not how you are. That's not how God created you to be. Come on. Adam had a role of responsibility and assignment. And his assignment was to defend his family at all costs. Not to fight with his family. Not to get distracted. Remember, if we read down in this passage of scripture, it'll talk about um, when the cool of the day, they, they realized that they were naked. They realized they were vulnerable. So remember, he was meeting God every day in the Ruach, every day in the spot, every day in the, in the cool of the day. That was where he, they met up. But this time, because he was naked, he went and hid himself. He went and hid himself in the trees, trying to blend in with the environment. Let me explain something to you. You've been marked by God. God's thumbprint is on you, and you cannot blend into the world around. You cannot blend in to the environment behind you. Listen to me. You think you're blending in, and you're sticking out like a sore thumb. You're not even blending in. I like to say it this way. You in a club trying to get your dancing on, and you in there worshiping. You look like you're worshiping because, listen to me, you mark the blood of Jesus is on you. You belong to God. You don't even look right. They be laughing at you. Look at her in there trying to get, you don't even look right in the club because that's not your environment anymore. Can you imagine how silly Adam and Eve look trying to blend in? God see you. God looking right at you. He said, Adam, if we, when we take the italicized word out, it's Adam, where are you? We say, Adam, where are you? But Adam, where are you? What happened to you? What happened to you? You were seated in heavenly places with God. Now, because God is in the spiritual realm, you have reduced yourself to fighting in the flesh arena where we can't win. So I was thinking about it. That was kind of, excuse my vernacular, that was kind of dumb to try to blend in like God can't see you. But I don't think it was just that he was blending in. Listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. I think he couldn't find the spot. I think he was looking and he like, what in the world is that spot again? Where? Don't get so far away from God and the plan of God and the call of God on your life that you have a problem finding your way back. Now you are here trying to blend in with an environment that you're not even a part of. It's the little foxes that destroy Oh, goodness. Oh, I'm, I'm so out of time, but let me just take five more minutes to close it, to close it up, to close it up. We can't turn a blind eye to strife. If you have a 
problem. Don't, don't be like, I, well, I, I, I got to tell you, don't, don't fight for the right to be right. Fight for the right to defend your family. This stops here. Because when you don't defend your family in one area, remember an intruder, when they break in, they might break in through the bathroom window, right? Do you think they just want to access the bathroom? They're just looking for the way to get in. Once they get in, they're going to your safe, they're going to your library, they're going to your bedroom, they're going in the basement, they're going, they're looking for all the valuables. They just looked for the weak way to get in the house. Listen to me. If you don't defend your family in every area, however the devil gets in, he is going to try to penetrate every other single solitary area of your family and your relationships. Let me close down right here. Strife, strife is bitter conflict, coarse controversy, antagonistic, clashing, heated, uh, lacking harmony, fighting, quarreling, altercations, argumentative, rivals, meanness, confusion, bickering, conditions, contentions, divisions, blah, 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 blah. But we get the picture of what strife is. And as you can see where strife gets in, every other evil work will follow. So being sneaky over here lead to a whole nother thing over there because sin takes you farther than you were willing to go. You didn't know you were going that far. It keeps you longer than you wanted to stay and it costs you more than you were ever willing to pay. Strife opens the door for the devil and it licenses him to bring confusion and every evil work to every area of your life. Don't you give him access. Guard your garden. 